From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to uh, What's Wrong With Revenue. This is episode, I believe this is episode 53. Is that right? Yeah, episode 53. Uh, uh, my uh, traditional co-host, Eric Kalis, uh, business partner and uh, buddy is also still on the road. So we're joined by Bob McCarthy, content lead here at Square Two. Uh, and um, Bob, I appreciate you stepping in. This is starting to become a regular thing for you now. I, I was just going to say, people are starting to talk, Mike. Um, yeah. Word around the water cooler is that you might you might like me, so you better be careful. Uh, yeah, Eric yeah. might have to look for a new gig. Yeah, he might be yeah. uh, pushed to the side. Wally Pipped. That's right. That's right. Right. <laughs> awesome. So uh, today we're going to talk about events and trade shows and conferences. You know, the pandemic um, at least appears to be, for the time being, somewhat over. And people are certainly back at conferences and events and shows. So I thought we would talk about that a little bit in terms of how to optimize everybody's participation in that. But before we get started, let me do a little housekeeping. Uh, remind everybody that the show is available on the Square2 Marketing YouTube channel. You can like us, you can subscribe, you can comment right there. Go to the square2marketing.com channel. All the episodes of What's Wrong With Revenue are housed there for your viewing pleasure. You can also get the show on Square Two's free streaming service, Square Two Plus, www.com, Square Two Marketing, uh, www.square2marketing.com, backslash Square Two PLUS. Uh, we have all of our audio and video content in a Netflix style platform where you can subscribe to the service. You can get all kinds of audio and video content for CEOs, CROs, CMOs. Uh, we have a, a HubSpot section for technology and HubSpot-related audio and video content. Go check it out. I'm sure you'll love it. Uh, you can also get the show at the bottom of our website. There's a link, What's Wrong With Revenue. Go check it out. All the shows are posted there. You can then also ask us questions, which we'll do a couple of questions today. As well, you can um, uh, subscribe to the show specifically, and we will email you uh, the show the next day if you can't. Join us at four o'clock on Wednesday. So thanks everybody for joining us, Bob. Thanks again for uh, uh, stepping in for Eric. And like I said, we're going to talk about trade shows, conferences, and events today. They're all back, and they they may not be back in full, you know, uh, blown condition pre-pandemic, but they're back nonetheless. Everybody know we went to a pretty big show uh, earlier in September. Uh, but do people really know how to optimize their participation in these events? I find the answer is generally no, that they pretty much just show up and hope people stumble into their area and they can have a productive conversation. And that's really not the best way to optimize your investment, to generate leads, to drive more sales opportunities, uh, and to close new customers. So uh, we're going to talk about a variety of event-related tactics that'll help you improve your ROI. 
leverage your investment associated with conferences and trade shows. We're going to talk about some tricks and techniques that we typically use with clients to attract the right people, to repel the wrong people. And also, we're going to talk about how to optimize your follow-up so that what we say, no lead let, gets left behind post-show. A lot of people come to these shows, they get back to the office, they're inundated trying to catch up, and they literally forget to follow up on the leads and the people they talk to at the show. Um, specifically, we'll cover how to create an event plan before you leave the, for the show so that you make sure that everyone understands the plan and how to get full value for your participation. We're going to talk a little bit about why less leads, but more qualified leads might actually be better. It's not just about collecting a business card. This should be about collecting a business card of someone who is interested in the services and products you provide, someone who has pain, someone who has power, someone is a good fit for the services, uh, products and services, solutions you provide. So it might not be about numbers. It might be about quality. We'll talk about that a little bit. We're also going to talk a little bit about how your marketing automation platform could play a significant role in collecting that information and making it easy. Uh, and then we'll talk about why you might want to consider speaking at these events besides just exhibiting. Yes, that's a little more putting yourself out there, but it really provides a multiplier effect for your participation in the show. And then we'll also talk a little bit about some in-show promotions that work to generate uh, good sales opportunities also. So I know it's a lot. We got an hour. Bob actually uh, has some expertise with these kinds of events and really building them out to the point where they're a little better than just, you know, uh, table and pop-up banner. So we'll try to cover all of that as we get into it. So Bob, um, mm -hmm. tend to kind of like set the bar high, but <clears throat> give me a little thought in terms of where you are, in terms of people getting back to these events and what might be going on in terms of people's participation and how we can really help our audience leverage the events and shows that they're gonna be doing over the next couple of months. Yeah, I think uh, in working with clients who are going back to trade shows and having been to events myself, um, it's not it's not that different with the changes going on in the rest of the world. Like during pandemic, we all there were some great things that happened in a very bad period of time in terms of like experience, which we've talked about a lot. You know, just how easy and seamless things are because people start putting up, you know, creating apps and being able to uh, handle things on demand. And when we started going back to trade shows, uh, most people, 99% of people like forgot that, like, like, Hey, I love this great seamless yeah. experience. And they just went back yeah. to like the table, the yeah. booth staring at you in my golf shirt. Here's a pen, here's a koozie, like whatever the hell it is. And it's like, we forgot everything that we love that had been, good in the year prior. And so I think in working with clients recently uh, together collaboratively, we've been trying to bring some of that like, okay, what, what does a great experience look like now in a trade show? Like what have we learned that we can bring into an event? And such a good point. A lot more, you you yeah. got any examples of some of the things you might've been talking yeah. about? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we worked uh, one of our clients, Crosby hops uh, and this was so they, they're a hop provider, a grower. They provide hops for, for brewers across the country. We've probably discussed them before. I work closely with them. But their first event back um, after the pandemic was uh, something called CBC, the Craft Brewers Conference. It's their biggest event. Every brewer is there. And it's typically how they do a lot of, you know, glad handing, get orders for the year. 
and um, that had been canceled in 2020. Uh, so they came back in 2021, 2021 and 2022 and said, it's gotta be different. We have to be different. Um, and their mandate to us was, was I thought pretty, pretty cool. They said, uh, not so much worried about the leads. We know we can give away a bunch of stuff and people will just give us their email address. What we really want, because there's booths everywhere and people are pouring beer everywhere, is we want to put together an experience that when people leave CBC, they remember us and they're talking about us. Wow, wasn't that cool? Wasn't that different? And so uh, what we came up with were uh, taking that booth experience and creating a, a digital experience, uh, a lot of what we call digital activation. So, and also trying to make it a bit more immersive, like have it feel like you were at a at the hop farm, uh, which people were not doing at the time because travel was still uh, a little iffy. Uh, so what's that entail? Um, they had a big screen behind them instead of the banner that had a drone footage of flying through the hop fields. Uh, they had sensory stations out with fresh hop that you could go up and, and smell, which is a big thing brewers do to smell the, the crop. Um, that's all well and good, nothing too hard there. That usual experience of standing at a table and you know, if it's a popular table, five people deep waiting to get through to maybe talk to someone or get that koozie or that hat, whatever you want, we decided to do away with it. That sucks. We all agreed. And so if you are waiting a line and they happen to be pouring beer too, so they knew people would be waiting to, to drink beer. Um, we set up, uh, they had um, stations with, you know, signs and on the signs, there were QR codes where, you know, you could do a QR code and we had developed for them uh, a mobile landing page that looked just like an app where you could read tons and tons of content that we had created for them. You could also do enter your giveaway. They were giving away a skateboard. Uh, you could set up a time to meet with somebody, all this stuff without having to actually speak to someone you could do on your own while you waited. When you got to your table where you could do the hob sensor, you could taste beer. There was a flip menu like at a restaurant where with all kinds of promotions and things going on, again, more QR codes. And on the landing pages, they were all hooked up to HubSpot. So everything was getting collected at the time, but it was all sort of feeding into this one experience. And yes, they had physical we uh, books that we had written for them laying down that and everything got grabbed up. But, you know, it was everything was it was kind of, you know, there's this blurring of channels. It used to be like your event was physical and then here's your digital. And like this is trying to really bridge the gap between the two and Ultimately, they had their their best event ever. You know, they collected something like 500, 600 leads at this one event um, from really having all these activations. Nobody felt like they were put out waiting in line, not being attended to. They could self-serve. They could have the experience that they wanted. And from that, that's more and more of when I have conversations with clients about like ideas, trying to push that, like let's blur the lines between digital and physical and give an experience that is memorable and serves your brand. Yeah, that's really such a great example of what you can potentially do if you think a little bit out of the box and if you think a little about these two kinds of experiences and bring them together. Um, you know, that does take a little bit of planning. And, you know, a one lot, of the yeah. things I think a lot of people fail to do is really show up with a plan, right? They they kind of have their booth and you know, maybe they ordered some stuff and they have a couple of people who are planning on manning it. And that's generally all you're going to get out of a traditional kind of, I would say, trade show mm -hmm. or or small conference uh, type of participation. And I think uh, if companies 
put a little more time into the planning piece of it, they're going to get a lot more out of it. For instance, like, do you literally, like one of the things we encourage people to do, especially, especially when it's a multi-day show is, you know, what kind of uh, lead gen do you want to get out of this, right? Like, let's just say they want 200 leads, right? And you're going to have three slots where the, the stage is open, you know, look at the hours it's going to be open and, and literally set some goals for the team for each of those slots in terms of how many leads they actually need to get you to your goal. So instead of kind of like leaving it to chance and evaluating at the end of the show, there's some steps along the way that everyone can kind of be a little more proactive about trying to get to the goals associated with your participation in the show. Right. Um, you know, lots of times you see people at shows they are kind of like hanging back. They're in the booth. They're not really engaging the people who mm -hmm. are walking by. Like, you know, again, like get out into the, into the alley, what, what into the like crosswalk, not, not, you know, into the, in your booth, get out and about and like bring people in, like talk to people. Like, look, I'm an introvert. It's not a normal <laughs> behavior for me to participate in that way. But if you're sending me to the show and the, um, we're investing money in the event and we have some business objectives associated with the show, everyone kind of has to understand that might have to work a little bit out of their comfort zone um, and get a little more involved in talking to people, I'm not saying everybody's going to be a good opportunity or everybody's going to be a good lead. But, you know, if you talk to 50 people instead of 10, you're probably going to find more opportunities buried in those 50 people than if you're just kind of waiting for people to stroll into yeah. you to your area as, as you said it i was already thinking it when you said you were a bit of introvert and i was thinking believe it or not we're both uh, somewhat introverted and uh what i find kind of antithetical about some of these approaches to events and, and trade shows are that people do hang back and really i think at a minimum what you should be trying to do is give people a sense of like what it's like to work with you now what someone works with square two, they're absolutely going to meet, meet you. And there's a 75% chance that they're going to meet me, depending on, you know, if the, if they're just doing some smaller project that doesn't include content, they may not meet me, but there's a really good chance. So you want people like us out in front chatting, giving them an idea of like what it's like to deal with us, our shining personalities, but it, you want to, I, I, I always, you know, when I going back to the example of Crosby, them saying, I want them to leave having experience like that. That is such, a, it's that one of those first impression, you know, type moments you get with this might be the first interaction I have with your brand if I'm walking the floor. And yes, there's whatever the uh, aesthetics are of your booth, but it's also who I'm interacting with and how engaging that and how interesting it is and how knowledgeable they feel. Because that leaves an impression on me too, as I walk away and I'm thinking about like, well, is this possibly somebody I might work with down the line? Yeah. And I think that also gets back to some of the planning, right? You, you can't really yeah. just plan to bring some literature and stand in front of a table, right? Like you really do have to do more like what you're talking about, like we did for Crosby, but you do have to really stretch in terms of creating that experience in, in that area, right? You, you have <laughs> to, you know, make it multi-sensory, right? Like I've done some shows where we baked cookies live right there, right? And what did that do? Like the entire place was filled with the smell of fresh cookies baking, right? People came over, what are you guys doing over here? Like, can I get a cookie? Well, yeah, maybe. Like, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about what you do and let's see if we can help you. And obviously everybody gets a cookie, but 
you know, you, you have to start looking at it like that. I did one event a long time ago where we had a, uh, a clear uh, safe, like a, a clear plexiglass safe with a combination. And there was $10,000 in the safe. And in order to try your hand at the combination to see if you would win, you had to be a qualified sales lead for the company that I was working for at the time. So obviously a clear safe with $10,000 in cash attracted a lot of attention. There was a long line of people who wanted their opportunity to try to crack the code and get in there. Um, again, not everybody was able to do it, but the people we really wanted to talk to, uh, after we qualified them a little bit, got a little, you know, a little like key or card and they were able to try to try to do it. So, you know, you want to generate some buzz. You want to kind of make it multidimensional. You want to make it active. Like, you know, you, some of the, what you described for Crosby too, that takes some planning and it takes some thinking yeah. and it takes some, uh, so, some creativity to come up with that experience, right? If you're creating that experience and people are going to talk about it at the show, more people are going to come by. If it's no experience, no one's going to talk about it. You may stumble upon the handful of people who actually kn knew you or came to see you there, which is fine. But generally, your your objectives at these shows is to introduce yourself to people who don't know you, you know, collect uh, contact information for people that could potentially use your products or services, talk to prospects who actually need and want your products and services, and then obviously connect with customers um, also, you know, while you're there as well. It's, so, yeah, I was just going to say that you know, events are their own little microcosm, their own little universe, and you know, when you do put together something that is well thought out and yes it does take planning word gets around very quickly they're like what's what did you hear about that and like i mean we've both been at shows and it's like when you have your break to go and check around like you know the one you're supposed to go check yeah. out because work right, gets right. around very quickly if right. you do it right and you do it well right which actually brings me to a really important point where i mentioned earlier it's not always about the number of leads sometimes it's about the quality of leads i don't know that collecting a thousand business cards at a show is necessarily going to help you if 999 of them are, are just not the right kind of people, not, not people you want to do business with. And this gets me to one of my pet peeves. One of my pet peeves with conferences and events like this is the swag that people give away, <laughs> right? They invest a decent amount of money for t-shirts and hats and, and uh, uh, what do you call it? thumb drives and 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 all these kinds of things that they're happy to dole out to whoever's walking by. And, and sometimes you see the people with the bags and they're just collecting something from everybody to bring home to their kids. And I don't think that's something you want to do, right? We actually had a client a long time ago. Uh, they were in the radio antenna maintenance business, right? You know, those giant antennas with the big flashing mm -hmm. red light on it. They climbed up and took care of that. For their clients, they're the radio stations. And, you know, we said to them, who they've been to a lot of shows, it's very, it was a trade show heavy uh, circuit. We said, look, you've been giving away all this swag and you're not getting anything out of these shows. Why don't we do an, a live, like, like tower assessment, right? Like sit down with the tower engineers and talk to them about their tower and give them a safety assessment, give them an operations assessment, give them a maintenance assessment. Like, Give them something of value for their tower that they're tasked with making. Look, if that tower goes down, the radio station's off the air. So their job is very clear. Keep it running. Keep it running correctly. Um, 
offer them some insight into some things they might be thinking about. Originally, they were like, well, who's going to sit down and do that with us? And we were like, well, honestly, people that have issues are going to sit down and do that with you. The people that are worried about it, the people that maybe are looking for a new provider are going to do it with you. So you may not walk away with 50 leads. You may walk away with five really good sales opportunities because those people took the time to sit down with you and talk about their particular issues. So I, I want to highly recommend to the people that are listening to us or watching us that I'm not against giving stuff away, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm against giving stuff away to attract people for the sake of giving stuff away. You want to, I almost would rather you not buy the swag or hold the swag back for people that are taking advantage of your expertise, right? And these assessments these like uh, free consultations, like, and obviously Bob, you're the content guy. You probably come up with a different, you know, different label for it. But these opportunities to sit down with experts and talk about every, the, the the participants' specific business brings a lot of value to those people. And then, if you want to give them something because they spent some time with you and you got to know them a little bit, I'm all for it. But I just can't stand it when people are like, "What do you got?" Oh yeah, I'll take yeah. <laughs> and, and okay, can I scan your card? Sure. Okay, great. Now we've really just wasted everybody's time with that exercise. And I gave something to someone that is never going to ever hire us. I and I think, you know, uh like a lot of like a lot of uh, matters at Square Two, uh the two sides that you and I are talking about end up working really well together. Because if you do what you said and you really create an offer, an experience that is going to be attractive to who your your best prospects are, your high intent prospects. And at the same time, you offer them something memorable. You're really combining these this idea of demand generation and you know also um, you know really targeted uh, you know uh, lead generation because. You might have a conversation with them there. Perhaps you do some sort of evaluation or consultation, but chances are they're not really going to sign on the dotted line there. But if you, right. if it's a great experience, if everything about their interaction with you was wonderful, there's a good chance that they're going to remember you when they leave. And then they may end up coming back and through your website or calling you. Um, and like you said, there's, I mean, no. I'm guilty of collecting swag, or at least the first time I went to inbound, I, I think I went, I went swag crazy for like two hours. And then I started to feel a little shameful. And then mm -hmm. it was more like, okay, I'm going to go to the people that like, maybe I would actually have an interest in, in their stuff. Uh, Cause yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just foot traffic. It's, it's, it's empty calories. It is. It is. And this does get back to the plan too, because if you, if you come up with a really good experience, you should be planning on, almost like pre-marketing that opportunity in advance of the show, right? So if you're sponsoring these events, you typically get access to the registration list, which almost always comes with email addresses. I would highly encourage you to send some pre-event emails out kind of talking about what you're doing, why they should be coming over, who should be coming over, how to find you. You know, sometimes even if people have the best intent to stop by a particular booth, they're easily distracted. There's a lot going on at these events. They're distracted by other exhibitors. They're distracted by friends. They're distracted by colleagues. They're distracted by pulls out of the exhibit hall to go out to drinks, go out to dinner, go to uh, other sessions. 
So, you know, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle when you're participating in these in terms of getting people to come by your booth and see you, which is why I'm just not a fan of the, you know, randomness that most people approach these, these opportunities with. Like, oh, I'm here. Anyone who's potentially interested in what I do will find me because I happen to be at booth 22, right? Like, it's not happening. Like, you have to be much more proactive in informing them what you're doing and in inviting them to come in. If to provide a much better experience that people talk about, if you're going to, you know, get any kind of return from, from your investment in this, I see way too many people participating in these shows. And then at the end of the show, they're like, well, what did we get out of this? And a lot of times it's like, I don't know, not much. It's do we want to, do we want to do it again? I don't know. Well, you know, like, and then you're just kind of stuck in this no man's land where, you know, you spend a lot of money. You're not sure you got anything out of it. You don't know what to do about next time. Like you kind of feel like maybe we shouldn't do it, but you're not sure. Like nothing positive came out of this as opposed to going into it with a plan, creating a great experience, knowing how many good sales opportunities you generated and be able to say at the end, like, yeah, we, we want to do this again because we got this out of it. I don't know if this you know, qualifies as a curveball or not. So I won't pose it to you as a question, which I, I was going to, but uh, I'll just introduce the conversation I had this week with another client. Um, I don't want to mislead people into thinking like this is only valuable information for like if you have a table or a booth. I actually think that this is the way you need to be thinking, even if you're just attending, uh, you know, you're going as a, as a team and you're going to the big, you know, event for your industry but you're not necessarily, you know, uh, showcasing anything or you won't, you don't have space. Um, I sent through some content for a client this week and she said, great, looks nice. What the hell am I supposed to do with this? Like, just didn't know what to do with it. I was like, oh, really? Well, here's five things I would do with it. And one of them was, you're going to the, I know you're going to an event and I know you'll be handing out business cards. Ace your business cards, put a QR code on it, take it to a landing page. This would be one part of it. Curate some content, give them an experience. So now somebody, instead of just having one of seven business cards, has a little you know, experience that is somewhat memorable and they'll learn more about you than just, oh, you're so-and-so from such and such company. And I mean, that's an easy thing, but thinking about they when like, you're going and planning like that idea? out. Oh, she, she was like, that's amazing. I like, yeah. like because she just been handing out- um, yeah. A, a business card or carrying around like printouts of like materials, like trifolds, like you know, here, take this. It's just like, no, 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 yeah. no, just do this yeah. here. Yeah. And uh, she thought, you know, she thought it was an amazing idea and she's going to go through with it. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't know. We, I don't know if you'd shared it, you know, with inbound, your recent trip to inbound, you know, we'd take a slightly different approach too, instead of doing a table, being attendee. So I, I didn't know if you'd already shared that, but that's no, also. We, didn't, we, we probably didn't talk much about that, but that is an interesting kind of take on, participation in these events. So what Bob's talking about inbound, which we, we had real two shows dedicated to it, but a handful of us attended. It's kind of our big kind of technology show for the marketing space. And, uh, you know, between us friends, the, the sponsorship at inbound is relatively expensive. So we wanted to try to crack that nut a different way. Um, so we, we held an educational session that was kind of near the conference close enough that people were not put out to get there literally had to walk across like a lawn to get there and we promoted it heavily before the show and generated a decent registration list uh, and then we promoted it in show with these little business cards with a qr code on that basically said the secret to revenue generation is across the street um, scan this card to find out more 
And when they went to that landing page, they actually found out more about we were having a beer, uh, the best of Boston beer tasting. And, you know, had a couple of people talking about uh, helping them with their specific marketing and automation and revenue generation issues. Uh, we had kind of a panel of people who were over there to, to handle, you know, different aspects of challenges people were facing. And it worked out really well. And we ended up with two good opportunities out of it. Now, again, like that might seem pedestrian to a lot of you, but we hardly spent any money on this. I mean, I think we spent like a thousand dollars all in and we got two opportunities. Opportunities for us are usually in the hundred thousand dollar range. So, you know, if one of those closed, it's a home run, you know, by, by all, by all measurement standards. So, um, you know, you, you have to try to think a little bit out of the box to Bob's point. And I think business cards are a little passe to begin with. I mean, who's handing out business cards anyway, but if you had something with a QR code, um, that can send people to back to your website in a very specific page, specific to that event, you are giving them a good uh, uh, opportunity to engage and engage with other content you might have. I mean, you literally could have an entire pillar page of things that they could connect with, watch, read, listen to, that would give them a really amazing immersive content experience and differentiate your company and potentially drive a significant amount of leads without you having to buy a sponsorship or um, an exhibitor package or any of those kind of traditional uh, participation methods. Yeah, I, I think you you hit on it. It's like you, you, there, I don't know that you know, like when we started talking about this show and the, you know, the, what we wanted to discuss, you know, it occurred to me like, well, I don't know if I have answers. I don't like solid answers. The one answer I do know is like, you just got to think differently and think creatively. And, you know, you know everybody's doing a lot of the same thing and like you need to zag you know everyone's zigging you got to zag because it's it's just what people are expecting more one it'll help you stand out obviously you know to just be doing something a little bit differently but you know like i said at the top the experience that people have been getting in every other facet of their life you know that's that, that's not separate from what they're expecting when they go to, you know, a showroom. It's, it's, it's they still want like a great experience that doesn't feel, uh, you know, something from three years ago right now feels like it's from 25 years ago. So it does. And I, I have kind of this reputation for talking to event planners and asking for things that are not on the list of sponsorships. Like you do. Yeah. I've, I've asked a number of times if I could pilot a small uh, blimp, like a remote control blimp around the, exhibit floor area and just drop these little coupons down or whatever little like cards or something like that and i've been shot down every time but i'm going to continue to ask i guess today maybe it would be like well can i have a drone kind of circling the the area and you know i think you should have lived in the in the 20s like you sound like one of those like you know like a, the old song and dance man outside yeah like uh barnum and bailey right yeah right, right. exactly yeah um you know I, my my point is like sometimes what's on the sponsorship docket isn't enough it's not creative enough and i'm encouraging people to to, to try think out of the box and ask for things you never know like i guess maybe it's a safety issue but you know, you might find someone who's like, oh, that's such a cool idea. Like, yeah, you could do that. Like, okay, great. Like I'm renting the lamp. I'm putting my signage on it. I'm figuring out what it's going to drop. I'm flying it around. Everyone's pointing at it. Like, oh, what is that? Like, it's a home run if you can get someone to do it and you never know who's going to say yes. So, you know, I'm encouraging you to think out of box, out of the box, create your own sponsorships, create the kinds of experiences that are going to get people's attention. It might not be something that is, you know, a standard package for this particular event. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like automating some of this experience because this is a big 
issue for a lot of people that do these kinds of things. Um, you know, if you come home with 300 business cards, what are you supposed to do with those business cards? Like who takes those and sits down in front of the computer and puts them in your CRM so you can run your, your follow-up. And by the way, that's exactly what you should be doing. So um, I know a lot of places now you scan people's cards, it gets in their, their badges, it gets into a, into a Excel spreadsheet that you end up with after the show. Okay. You still have to get that Excel spreadsheet into something so you can, you know, run your follow-up. You can't just, you know, work on it one row at a time. So um, I'm encouraging people to also think about how to automate this process. Now, QR codes are a great way to do it. You can have people whip, take out their phones. Everybody has a phone. You can have them click on this QR code. You can get them to a landing page. You can have them fill it out. And now immediately that information is in your CRM. It's in your marketing automation platform. All kinds of amazing post-show and in-show experiences can trigger off of that. You can have in-show promotions that run. You can have post-show follow-up that run. You can have uh, lead nurturing that kind of shares additional educational information based on who they are and what their title is or what they talk to you about at the event. There's so many really personal ways in which you can continue the experience after they talk to you at these events. And I think everyone really ought to be considering how to leverage marketing automation in conjunction with their more traditional event strategy to produce this kind of experience. Again, it's going to take some planning. It's going to take a little creativity and forethought, but the tools are there to deliver a much better experience than talking to a sales rep for 15 minutes and then not hearing for that from that rep for maybe two weeks until they get back to the office, dig out from the stuff they didn't do while they were at the show, and then finally get around to their follow-ups. That is incredibly unremarkable. And if I was actually a hot prospect and interested, I probably would be annoyed that it took you so long to get back to me. So uh, I'm highly encouraging people to think out that part of the process too and use technology to make it easy. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of, you know, I think you're right. The, the one thing, one of the, the great benefits of that, that using the QR code with the Crosby example was that they were going right into HubSpot, you know, uh, whether you signed up for the giveaway or there was an offer like, hey, here's all this content. You're probably not gonna be able to read it right now. How would you like it sent to you? So some people just sent their email address in. But because it all went in, you know, pretty much two days after they got back from from the conference it was nurture emails going out of you know kind of what you said it's everyone's busy like it's like if you're in your own little world at the show and you you probably have this imagine you know this this idea that like well of course everyone's going to remember me but they went to however many dozens of other tables and you know you hope you stand out but you don't know a lot of people had interactions with them so if you're able to very quickly get back say hey you know uh, you know, with Crosby, they were launching a brand new product. So just, again, try to get it top of mind, you, you know, and everything going on, just wanted to remind you, we've got this brand new product that's going out, some exclusive hot varieties. They're going to be on sale starting such and such day, you know, get on up early. So you can kind of very quickly as people are coming back, get top of mind again and, and refresh their memory about conversation they had or things that, um, perhaps they had been interested in, but never went back to look at again. I've heard this lots of times, you know, like I, I spoke to this prospect at the show and they were really interested and I don't know what, now I can't get in touch with them, right? 
Well, what do you think happened? They talked to someone else who they were more interested in, right? So you can't assume that just because you had a good conversation with a prospect, you're good to go, especially at a show or conference where all, all, most of your competitors or at least some of your competitors are there mm -hmm. and everyone's saying something slightly different. You know, it's very easy for a prospect back to the cyclonic journey, buyer journey to get spun out of one stage of their journey and into another stage because of some, something someone said to them um, while they were walking around. And it could be casual, it could be at the bar, it could be at dinner. It doesn't have to necessarily be in a formal like booth and, and prospect setting, uh, but that makes the ongoing communication that much, that much more important when there are all those inputs and all of that chaos and all of that content being thrown at these people, who, whoever wins, is the one that's going to create the best experience. And that experience mm -hmm. can't end when they walk away from you on day one. It has to, it has to continue. I think that's the great case also for the, um, again, don't, you don't have to ditch the swag, but don't, don't rely on the swag. If yeah. 50, if 50 tables are giving out swag, you're, you're one of 50 giving out some sort of tchotchke, you know? Right. And if you're counting on that swag to attract people to your booth or to differentiate you in any way, you can forget it because no matter how cool you are, someone's going to have something at least as cool. You know, maybe it won't be cooler, but someone else is going to come up with something that's actually pre pretty yeah. cool. Awesome. And just to go back to, you know, not to lean on it too much, but that, you know, it said it was the experience that Crosby was leaning on. Their giveaways, like you did not automatically get it. Like they did almost like a, a drawing of like, I think they had a skateboard a day. They gave, So you had a chance to win a skateboard and they gave away like 40 pounds of hops, like once a day so again in, in in part it's because no serious customer is coming up to you and just being like i'm interested in your hops but can i have a skateboard and he's just like you're not serious like you are not a serious prospect if you're right. coming up and like that's your that that's your demand it's so it's like you're not going to lose customers by not giving away a hat you know yeah i don't i, I don't like giving away things that are not directly related to the service like i don't like oh come up and win a free ipad right or you know put the golf ball in the hole and you win an ipad or you win a flat screen tv or you win a trip to the bahamas like i'm not trying to attract people who like tvs and ipads and trips to the bahamas i'm trying to attract people who have issues with their companies and growing it who have issues with their marketing have issues with their sales have issues with their technology i have to offer them something that is related to that right? And if they're not interested, they're not a good prospect for us, right? Like, um, I, you know, I wasn't at the Crosby show, Crosby show, so I don't know exactly how the skateboard fit in there, but if it's a step two towards like, well, you know, if you're interested in hops, obviously you're a brewer, right? So like, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And by the way, if you're interested in hops, you can win the skateboard. Like yeah. I'm good with that. But if all I'm doing is raffling off a skateboard every day and there's no other gates to get through, then all I'm attracting are people who like to skateboard. Yeah, no. I mean, they're all brewers going to that, fortunately. But I think the, the my larger point is it's a branding thing for them. Uh, it's, which, you know, not a big deal. One a day versus everybody gets a hat or everybody gets something. Like, the, you're cutting down on the amount of just people you are. I'm here to, yeah. to get something. And those people just walking around looking for free stuff, you're, you, free you're free not stuff. It's not I mean, there. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. 
it, it, it also, you know, going back to the example of, you know, what you did this year at, at Inbound, it's like, yes, you gave away something, people came and they could sample some beer and they got a little cute little tasting glass, you know, which is cool. But ultimately, at the end of the day, and I love beer, you know, I love beer. Like, am I coming to have a conversation with you and Kristen and Eric uh, if like I'm not somewhat serious about wanting to know about this? No. You're in downtown Boston on the seaport. There's a billion places I can go get a beer and not be bothered by somebody trying to sell me something. So like, I, that's also like, there's, there's value there in that like, yes, I, I get something for coming out of my shell and coming to speak with you, but most people aren't putting themselves through like a, a business conversation uh, if they're just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here for 12 ounces of free beer. Yeah, not, not in that scenario. Yes, the, the free beer was the free prize inside. They really were coming over to talk to us about their particular issues and seeing if we could help them. So yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, I wanna talk a little bit about speaking at events because I also think this is an opportunity that people miss very frequently. So if you are an exhibitor, you're kind of like, here, right? You paid your way into that show, right? And everybody knows that just because you're an exhibitor doesn't mean there's anything, there's any substance there, except that you had the money to come and sponsor and, and, and exhibit, right? But a lot of these exhibiting packages come with the opportunity to speak. And a lot of sponsorships come with the opportunity to speak and I don't think a lot of people take advantage of it. And I think they're really missing out because if you're speaking, if you're an authority, then that makes your participation at that show that much more interesting and that much more respected. You also have an opportunity to drive all those people you spoke to at your particular session back to your booth as well. So again, in terms of waiting for people to stumble upon you in aisle five, row six, like it's going to be better if you can tell your story to a large group of people, educate them, get them excited about your thought leadership and what you do, and be able to say to them, look, we have a booth here. If you want to talk to us more, come by. We're happy to spend as much time with you as you need to understand your particular issues and see if we can help you. Like Now the authority is going to be accessible for some period of time. It, it just elevates your business and your participation to a whole another level. And I almost feel like it ought to be really mandatory. If you're going to have a booth, if you're going to be an exhibitor or sponsorship, you ought to ask back to make up your own package. You really ought to ask to be part of the, the content experience also. I, I caught a break there because you probably don't remember this, but in, in January of 2020, you came to me and said, I want you to put in to speak at Inbound in whatever month it was being held that year. Come up with some ideas. And I was uh -huh. sweating it for, uh, for a bit of time there. And uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was saved by uh, you a weren't virus. You were selected? But, uh, oh, the virus. No, it, was, <laughs> it was canceled. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, and you, you must have forgot because you never, well, we didn't, you know, we, this is the first year that was back. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was like years person. since we did anything. And, like and you had forgotten. So I guess maybe next year. But you, I mean, you have a, a lot of experience in, in my doing the speaking. My first, my first inbound, I, I went to with the team. Uh, you and Eric were both speaking uh, for Smash the Funnel. And uh, what struck me, I mean, I was, I remember going and it was great going to, um, to the event. Um, 
but I enjoyed, like I was relatively new to the company at that point and I enjoyed seeing you know you and Eric in action. I was shocked by how, to your point, how responsive the audiences were. And it works on, on two fronts, right? Like you, you have that opportunity to speak to somebody and you can do this really this kind of passive sales pitch, right? Like you don't sell, you're not selling at all, you're, but you're up there showing them, you know, you're walking the walk and give them a glimpse of what they would be buying into if they worked with you. Um, and so the response out of that was, I'd be back at the booth and we'd always know when the sessions end because 200 people would just come up to the booth looking for like we were, I think we were saying like, hey, if you want a PDF copy, come by and we'll get you a PDF copy of, of, mm -hmm. of the book. And yeah. the amount of people that came by and they were just like so eager to talk about what you guys had spoken about was amazing. So, um, I mean, I, I think that's just speaks volumes to exactly what you're saying. You have an opportunity to strut your stuff and show them exactly what you can do for them by, you know, being a speaker, you know, get over the nervousness and do it. Yeah. Also, if you think about it, if someone comes by the, the, the table or the booth, you have maybe five, 10 minutes to talk to them. It's, it's very difficult to, you know, tell a compelling story in that short amount of time. And by the way, you're trying to get to know them a little bit and you're asking them questions about what their issues are. So, you know, you might only have 30 seconds to do your elevator pitch before you start to really try to like engage with them in a productive way. When you're speaking, you might have a half an hour. You might have 45 yeah. minutes. You might have an hour to tell your story. It's so it's it's so much better use of your time in those events to be able to tell 200 people your hour-long story as opposed to everyone who comes by your five-minute story in small five-minute increments. So, um, And even when you do tell that story for 45 minutes or an hour and they come by the booth, they now have all kinds of context for what you already talked to them about Hey, when you mentioned this, that really resonated with me. Can we talk about that more? Yeah, of course. Like it's it's so underutilized and probably one of the most powerful upgrades you could make to any kind of you know traditional conference or or, or trade show participation for sure. There's there's so many things you know, as we talk about in this in this uh set, section here, which is that you know, hey, think about modernizing what you're doing at shows and events but that's the one thing where it's just like no 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 like that's all that's been around forever and you should be tapping into that that's not going away and the people that are really really good at it and you know they they leave those places like having spoken to a lot of people and, and generated a lot of meetings over the course of a few days just based on that thing that's that's yeah and and um actually we just did a couple of shows last week and the week before where we used the QR code, not in the booth, but in the presentation. So after we were done our speaking event, we showed a QR code, which took them to a landing page and got them to, you know, access to the slides immediately and allowed them to schedule time with us when they get back to their office to continue the conversation. And it generated a couple of hundred opportunities for us, um, you know, in and above whatever came out of the... But isn't it, isn't it like the simplest thing? And yet it's amazing because like when we go to these shows and you see, you do see a, a, a speaker that you like and you're just like, oh man, am I going to get the slides? Yeah. Check your email. Is somebody going to send them? You're trying to contact the organizer. It's just like, there's the QR code. Bang. You got, you know, yeah. you got I'm it. It's, it's such pictures. a small thing. Exactly. I'm always yeah. taking pictures of the slides, which I see people doing also. And I always say to them, you know, I appreciate you taking pictures of my slides, but you don't have to. I'm going to give you all of them yeah. at the end if you just kind of hang on. And then they put their phone down. 
And by the way, they're not listening when they're trying to size up the phone to get a good picture and take. So you want them to listen to you. You don't want them to be distracted with their phones. And then when they're done taking the picture, the phone buzzes. They're now looking at their messages and pretty soon they're on Facebook. So you really have to optimize your time there with them so that you can get them the content and continue that experience like we've been talking about. Um, in the last couple of minutes here, I want to talk about some creative event strategies. And I want to talk about one specific one and get your feedback on it. So prior to Square Two, I worked for a software company and my boss was, the CEO was, was a genius, right? He, he, he maybe wasn't the easiest person to get along with, but he was brilliant. And his idea was to create his own show. So what he ended up doing was inviting customers and prospects to come to an event that never was never before around, like created it fresh mm -hmm. and then went to partners and said, would you like access to this audience? And, you know, the partners paid sponsorship fees and the people came, the, the prospects primarily paid to come to this event. And he did give away customers could come for free. And I'm sure prospects who were good prospects got free tickets, but that entire event, and, 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 and obviously that company had the center stage because they sponsored it. They, they like started it. They were the host sponsor. And what it turned into was 100% free marketing because the sponsorships and the attendee fees covered all of the production costs, all of the hotel and food costs, all of the marketing costs for us to promote the event. And I guess it's kind of what HubSpot did with Inbound back in the day was they kind of started their own conference. But I think that's a, a super interesting tactic for this kind of uh, either free or even you can make money on it. It could be uh, marketing can become a profit center if you really ran it you know, correctly. Um, a really interesting way to think about positioning your company as a thought leader, not being overly salesy in terms of what you're doing at the event, having customers sitting next to prospects and talking about your product and your company and having other non-competitive partners there too, to build out this rich content experience. It was, I was always as a newish marketer, like obviously that was many, many, many years ago that I had this job. I was always kind of in awe that they were able to kind of start this thing and run it in that way. And it took a lot of our time. Like I ran the marketing department. We did one big one a year. Then he wanted to do two a year. Then eventually he wanted to do them quarterly. Quarterly was such a big lift that we ended up going back to like twice a year. But they were so effective that you don't often think about starting your own conference or your own event as a marketing tactic. I think you know it touches a lot on something we discussed on my last appearance um, two episodes ago, which is uh, the, the idea of community. Because I think you start when you start thinking that way about like, well, I'm gonna do my own thing, and it's it, like it's got your fingerprints all over it, and you're able. To, it's bold and it's big, and it requires a huge investment of time and planning, and I'm sure money as well. Although it's not like he kind of reverse engineered to get somebody else yeah. to to put the money up for it, so that's brilliant. But once you start doing that, like you are starting to now create this little bubble, this little community uh, around around yourself and your customers and vendors, whoever. And you know, it's 
you know, you would ask me on the last uh, episode when I was here about when I went out to harvest the harvest festival, and that's it's something similar. It's different in that like it's harvest and there's always parties around harvest in the farming community. But same idea. It's all brewers coming out who are you think it's fun, but they're all customers. And the whole the, at the end of the day, the it's yes, let's celebrate harvest, but you're trying to get these brewers to buy more hops from you. And there's other vendors you're trying to do more things from. And they're all sitting together and talking about, oh, did you use this variety that, oh, maybe I should be doing that. And it's community building and and brand building. And so I think any opportunity you have to do something like that, um, it's probably invaluable. You know, it's a lot of work, but it's it's probably invaluable. Yeah. And we also talked about, you have to have a, you have to have a stomach for this because you know, even if I, th- when I think back to like the first inbound I went to, I think there was like 300 people there. Right. And I think that was the second or third inbound. It was in a hotel, you know, prior to COVID at 50,000 people, it was in a giant conference center. Even this time it had 10,000 people in a somewhat giant conference center. So, you know, you have, if you're going to do this, you really have to have the stomach for it and you have to look at it long-term first time you do it, you might get 30 people. That's not a failure, Right. That's a successful event. It's a small, intimate event with people that probably got quite a bit out of it. The second time you're going to do it, you know, go for 60 people, go for 100 people, go for 300 people, go for 600 people. Like, you know, you have to be in almost all of these marketing tactics for the long haul. You got to, you you can't do something once, like we talked about with the podcast. You can't do a month of podcasting and think you're going to be good to go and you're going to have a thousand subscribers and, you know, everyone's going to be talking about you You have to be in it for the long haul. The same thing with these events. If you're going to and community building, which you're right, like it's such a it's kind of becoming a buzzword right now. Like, oh, I'm trying to build a community. I'm trying to like, you know, no one's trying to generate leads anymore. They're all trying to build a community, (laughs) which is fine. But that's still going to be an investment in time and money Mm -hmm. over a long period, especially when you're talking about a community, like it's going to take a while for the community to get roots. It's going to take a while for the community to spread. It's going to take a while for the community to really add a ton of value that continues to attract people back to it. However, frequently the community is getting together and these events are just another example of how you really have to be committed to it. Just think if HubSpot had stopped inbound because it only had 300 people the, the year that I went to it. Like they never would have had what inbound ended up turning into. And I'm sure, you know, Crosby probably would have had the same thing. If their first Hops Fest only had 20 people, and they're like, oh, that sucked. Like, I don't know if we should do that again. They never would have had what you experienced when you went out there a couple months ago. So, you know, marketing, good marketing, good uh, brand building is not something that is achieved quickly. It's something that is really invested in and nurtured over time. And you have to have that, time horizon and perspective around it if if you're ever going to have any kind of success do you do you remember do you remember the client we had that did schniz fest yes of course <laughs> yeah but well, this made me think of it it was another example yeah no it's a, it was a, a very good example. small thing yeah yes they they were a uh, an msp actually they, they provided coaching and content for um you know managed service providers you know these these smallish companies that handle your it your laptops and your network um, and there are a lot of them are small businesses and 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 this company, True Methods, which ended up getting acquired, provided a lot of educational material and some software and coaching and 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 things that helped MSPs be more successful. And they had their own conference called Schnizfest. 
I don't remember exactly why it was called Schnizfest. I don't remember either. You know, it, it also grew, and they they were very committed to that too. It started small in New Jersey, and it ended up being a fairly large, with I think six to eight hundred people in in uh, Orlando uh, at a pretty big hotel down there. So, um, uh, yeah, exactly the same kind of uh, experience, same kind of idea. And you got to be in. You got you got to be in it for the long term, for sure. Right. And not and not a big company, not an inbound. That's why I brought it. No, up. yes, like, yes. Spot. Yeah, yeah. No, good, good point. They were a small company. They were a family company. I think they had like twenty five people that worked there. But this was important to them and important to their community, important to their customers, and it worked out really well for them. Uh, I'm sure they probably yeah. broke even or made a little money on that too. Same kind of same kind of thing. Bob, again, you killed it. I really appreciate you stepping in. You're welcome back at What's On Earth Revenue anytime. So if you ever want to come on the show, just shoot me an email and I'll get you on, I promise. Um, let me do a little housekeeping, then we'll wrap up. Just to remind everybody, if you want to get to today's show, go check it out on our YouTube channel, square2marketing.com. You can like us, you can subscribe to the show, you can leave comments. We really appreciate what everyone does on YouTube. Uh, if you're interested in the, any kind of audio and video content, including this, head on over to square 2 Plus our Netflix-style free streaming service, www.square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. You can actually subscribe to Square2 Plus, and every time we post something new, which is roughly once a week or so, we will uh, let you know, and you can go check it out, just like Netflix lets you know when new shows come out. If you love the show and you want to subscribe to the show specifically, there's a link at the bottom of our website, What's Wrong With Revenue? Click it. You can ask questions like a couple of the ones we handled today. You can subscribe to the show. We will email you the show every Thursday after we take care of the editing and publication of the show. Um, and we'll also email you upcoming shows. So you'll get an email with what we're going to talk about. And you can join us live at four o'clock every day, every week, Wednesday at four o'clock. If you want to participate live, we'd really appreciate it. Bob, thanks again. I really appreciate you stepping you. in. You're always a wealth of knowledge. You have an interesting perspective on the kinds of things that we're talking about. And uh, again, super appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day, everybody. Bob, have a good rest of your day. We'll see you all Take soon. Take care.